Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is October 21st, 2022, and tonight we'll be talking about how devs want Xbox to drop the requirement for developing for the Xbox Series S, which, frankly, sounds a little bizarre. We'll talk more about that. Of course, we'll also be talking about how G4 is no more. Again, the sad news coming out of California about the demise of the once popular gaming television service. And of course, we'll also be talking about the Resident Evil and Silent Hill showcases that occurred this week and all the new things shown off in those franchises. That and more in today's weekly news roundup. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th. 2020 here's our first story and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here too figured this is a kind of a big one to cover of course with who it is joined via discord by kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still and of course everything is all kinds of crazy so this thing is a chocker i mean yeah it's a beast it's huge doing a um that we had the resident evil stuff that they were successful with castlevania welcome to another npc's weekly news roundup and it's the news time i am joined of course by kyle via discord kyle hello what's up man and there we go we're up we're running we're live we are on the air welcome everybody yet again to another npc's weekly news roundup again it is October, what I say, it is the 21st, really? Jeez, okay, Halloween is 10 days away, folks. Uh, but don't worry about that, because Kyle's already there with you. He's got his Dennis the Menace costume going on here right now. Uh. If you go look up Dennis <laughs> the Dennis the Menace movie from the 90s and look at that character there and look at how Kyle is right now, Kyle is our Dennis the Menace. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. You. You're welcome. That's the only intro I could provide, given that we're so close to Halloween now, too. So you're welcome. <laughs> I know I'm not going to... I know... I No, just... Anyway... It's all good. Anyway, we've got some news to talk about, though, tonight, Kyle. It's it's some uh, some fascinating things, some sad things, and some really and one confusing thing. And I think we're going to start out with the confusing thing. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. All right. And that confusing thing happens to be about devs asking Xbox to drop the requirement to develop for the Xbox Series S. Now, when Microsoft released the Xbox Series X and S, obviously the X is the top performer in the category uh, where it has the uh, full ray tracing. It has uh, 4K support out of the box. Um, it's got basically all of the the beefiness behind it, whereas, uh, oh, also includes the disk drive, whereas the Xbox Series S is the digital version, which ends up being more affordable, can only do 1440p max, but even so has still been one of the more popular consoles that has sold for Microsoft since the series line was launched. But in uh, reporting uh, from uh, Video Games Chronicle, apparently there has been talk going on about trying to get Microsoft to drop this requirement. So here's what, he go, here's what uh, they report on here. They say VFX artist Ian McClure made the claim on Twitter in response to a comment from veteran games journalist Ge uh, Jeff Gerstman, who said he thinks the whole Series S is holding back the next-gen games argument doesn't hold up. And Jeff Gerstman goes on to say, most of these games also come to PC and already have to cover a wide variety of configs. Uh, McClure, who worked on last year's Xbox Series X and S and PC game I Am Fish at uh, Bossa, which also develops and publishes the Surgeon Simulator series, responded, It might sound broken, but the reason you are hearing it a lot right now is because many developers have been sitting in meetings for the past year desperately trying to get Series S launch requirements dropped. So, 
when I saw this article this morning, Kyle, I had to go look at the because Jeff Gersman made the comment about um about PC. Okay. And I went over to the Steam hardware survey to see what the last results were that came in. And of course it's September's. And do you want to know what's interesting right now on like what's supported? Like or at least like the top the top level support right now? Uh, I'd probably say it's 20 series cards. No. No? 1060s? The top card is a GTX 1060. Now, it doesn't say which model 1060 because there's two. There's a 6-gigabyte memory model and a 3-gigabyte memory model. The 1060 is in first place with uh, 6.73% utilization across hardware. Uh, Coming in second place at Uh, 6.11% is the GTX 1650. The mm-hmm. third one is the RTX 2060. So you don't even get to a 20 series card until third place. And then wow. after that, out of everything, this is going to shock you too. The fourth place one is a GTX 1050 Ti. Wow. Yeah. You don't even hit anything that's like a heavy hitter until past like 10th place here. Like you get 30, you got a 3060 laptop GPU, the regular 3060. The 1660 Ti, the 1660 Super, the GTX 1050, and then finally you hit the RTX 3070 at what place? Was that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and tenth place? And well, only... that's not entirely surprising. No, I mean, no, that's it's you, you had a the you know the the lack of card availability, and you know a lot of miners still were buying cards, you know, through the whole thing. Um, but beyond that, now that, you know, cards have been more re- readily available, there's really not a lot of money for it at the, at this time, you know, we, we just came out of the pandemic and, you know, there's other stuff going on, on in the world now that's making it more expensive to just live, you know, and now all of a sudden these, these more expensive cards are, are launching and, you know, they're, even the, the 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 generation of card that you know we just saw with the 30 series cards even it's still you know almost half price every now and then that's still a really expensive card to go out and buy so it it's totally understandable that you know people are hanging on and i mean not only that processors have been moving so incredibly fast here lately it's hard to match up you know your your hardware unless you're buying a pre-build yeah no you're absolutely right in that regard but even so, the fact, though, that it like it does make sense that, of course, hardware availability is going to always be a problem. People are going to be constrained to what they can get. So to see things like mm-hmm. the 1060, the 1650, the 1660 up there in the in the beginning of it, you know, in the top part of the list, that's not really a shock because they are capable yeah. cards. You're not going to be able to play like everything out there at the best quality possible, but you're at least still going to be able to play games now. One of the other interesting parts, though, about the data here is that the amount of VRAM that's actually in the graphics cards, though, at least as they report right now, is um, tops. At, so at 25% of respondents, it was 8 gigabytes. That's the exact same amount of VRAM available in the Xbox Series S right now. There's mm-hmm. 10 gigs total with 8 gigabytes set to the for VRAM and then 2 gigabytes for the operating system. So literally, well, it's the fact, though, that it's the argument that you have all these different configurations for computers to support. And yes, minimum requirements are put out there for some AAA mm-hmm. titles. Needless to say, there's still a lot of, of hardware to support out there. Right. 
but the the it seems that the uh, problem that they're encountering uh, at studios doesn't seem to be the processor or the uh, video processing. It's actually in memory constraints. Well, even with the memory constraints, like I believe they made some changes there to actually deal with the memory issue. Uh, what was it? Right, Several months I, ago. I think, yeah, it, it's not only just, you know, processing, but it is it is the memory with the uh, VRAM and, and with the, uh, the uh, actual processing or, or the, uh, like, actual RAM of the, the system. It's just, I don't think, in necessarily enough for what, what people are capable of you know are what what current games are like being put out there is what i guess i should say i I phrased that poorly (laughs) yeah it's i guess it depends on the titles that people want to play if they're playing if they're playing the titles that you know are are the ones easy enough to hop into like the ones that maybe don't require the the big graphical push um, like let's say you know like uh, Cyberpunk 2077, um, or oh, I'm trying to think of another big like graphically intensive gamer off the top of my head. Um, I don't know why I'm having such a problem with this, but like even like Doom Eternal is another big one though. Uh, but anyway, if they're playing like the same games that they normally do over and over again, anyway, like on PC Counter Strike is one of them, and on console Call of Duty is the big one that people are always hopping into. Um, you know, it's like if you're doing multiplayer, you're more worried about how fast you're going to be going versus how things look. So this is also true. Yeah. So I guess it what it comes down to is how many of these developers are actually speaking up about this as being a problem. And yeah. what else could Microsoft potentially do to address it other than a Series S refresh with more RAM? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, unless yeah. unless they can somehow figure out how to open up some type of like uh, caching onto the uh, SSD to allow for some more RAM of some you know in some capacity because it uses the same PCI lanes to do it. But on the other hand, it is you know the the public does have to consider too, and you know developers do have to consider. It's supposed to be the affordable option for mm-hmm. for the end user, you know. It's the $300 system that you don't necessarily have to buy the game discs for because it has no way of, you know, actually reading them. So with that knowledge, I mean, to to ask to to tailor the graphics, I mean, it's it's just like saying, you know, put a put a standard, you know, graphic setting for low, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, potentially put that as the xbox series s for you know games going forward that that is a, a possibility until we get a refresh but i mean it, there there's so much compatibility with games anymore and the xboxes anymore are like computers and i've said that time and time again so i i, I feel like for them to respond negatively to the series s as developers that that's not fair because it's it's literally just allowing Xbox or Microsoft to have more end users experience their you know the the publishers games and the developers games. Yeah, and I like that argument. I like the I like all of that there. If they had a a requirement out there that still says they had to develop for the Xbox One in some capacity, I could I could honestly stand behind the developers and it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I'm standing right behind you. You guys don't have to do you shouldn't have to develop for this older hardware now. 
you know it's it's just it's it's the nature of the business especially in the console world versus the pc environment uh where you can swap out parts well, and give yourself that extra bump but yeah and, you know they don't have the, you know they don't have to worry yeah about and that. the argument could be made that the xbox one x was technically a more powerful unit excluding you know some some caveats to the to the series s s but um beyond that it, it was still a more expensive unit to produce the die was more expensive uh to produce and you know overall cost it you know outcome well we saw it, it just was kind of a short run system they didn't they didn't do a ton of them and they were kind of a little bit more difficult and to get at least in my opinion mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, it seems more like the maybe the One X was kind of like the trial box or something like that to actually get things yeah. running for the next line. But needless to say, like I would like to see what Microsoft maybe comes out with to potentially address some of this, whether we do see like just like the rumors were, I think at the end of last year that Microsoft was going to be focusing on a Series S refresh first. Um or if they're going to provide some other sort of compatibility that allows for um, that allows for games to to take advantage of more system resources, you know, outside of the development side of it, maybe there will be mm -hmm. some other change, but we won't know until Microsoft actually puts some numbers out there for us to see what the actual problem is. Or unless we, you know, we see another development kit on Phil Spencer's, you know, shelves. Yeah, yeah, especially that, or if Linus Tech Tips picks ones up, you know, picks one up again and tears it apart and tries to play games on it again, you know, I, right. I yeah, I, in one way or another, we're gonna see that happen. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, let's move on here to the next one, and this one wasn't necessarily a surprise. This one was definitely more of a kind of saw the writing on the wall with it and that is that g4 is no more again um so g4 the uh television channel that to be quite honest inspired a lot of the stuff that kyle and i i think i can speak for kyle on this that we've actually done mm -hmm. towards you know the news things and all that on the podcast here and on the live stream um you know, inspired that when we were growing up to be able to experience a lot of stuff gaming wise that we couldn't really pull in off the internet because YouTube wasn't as fleshed out as it is now. Uh, the same goes for the adoption of streaming services like Twitch and uh, YouTube gaming and, and the other platforms that did exist but are gone now. Um, you know, but even with all that stuff that exists, G4 still held a place in our hearts, but unfortunately it just did not work out properly. And so on... Um, uh, at the beginning of this week, uh, on Sunday, G4 got shut down. Um, apparently, what had ended up happening is that there was an email that was sent out uh, from the CEO, uh, David Scott. He's the CEO of the company uh, Comcast Spectator, which is just a, a sub-company. Um, what he said is, let's see, um, where is the email? It says, as you know, G4 was reintroduced last year to tap into the popularity of gaming. We invested to create the new G4 as an online and TV destination for fans to be entertained, be inspired, and connect with gaming content. Over the past several months, we worked hard to generate that interest in G4, but viewership is low and the network has not achieved sustainable financial results. 
This is certainly not what we hoped for, and as a result, we have made the very difficult decision to discontinue G4's operations effective immediately. I know this is disappointing news, and I'm disappointed too. I want to thank you and everyone on the G4 team for the hard work and commitment to the network. So, basically, yeah, they dropped this memo out on a uh, on a Sunday evening, and for a lot of the new hosts of uh, G4's shows, whether it was the return of Attack of the Show, whether it was X-Play, um, whether it was some of the stuff that was in the works or other things they were doing, for a lot of those hosts, uh, they found out via Twitter. So That's horrible. <laughs> that seems to be a growing trend anymore, and that's that's just terrible. Like last minute uh, firings, yeah, or, or, or um, through Twitter or yeah. through you know social media or something. You find out third party. It's like wow, cool. Yeah, and it's part of it is really sad to actually see though that they um, did get hit so fast as they did. And I mean, I made this our um, uh, the thumbnail for the. Uh, the news live stream here. Um, but a lot of it started to resurge and come back in 2020 because of a random mm-hmm. reactivation of the original Twitter accounts for attack of the show and X play. And then uh, we saw a Thanksgiving special that uh, did kind of a retrospect and brought Olivia Munn, Kevin Pereira. Um, I think Morgan Webb was there too. Uh, Adam Sessler, yeah. Blair Herter, um, uh, like all the different hosts that were there during the time when we were growing up, came back for that retrospect and we're showing things off. And it, it I gotta be honest, it got me really excited about it. Yeah, um, no, it, it did me too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think maybe part of it too was they, they did have a lot of traction. I felt like initially I, I had heard so much buzz from people about, you know, being excited about, you know, what was to come about, uh, potentially a new attack of the show potentially mm-hmm. a, a new x play and then we waited and we waited and you know it, they did their their specials every now and then but it's they didn't seriously kick off until quite a few number of months down the line yeah it was a lot of like filler that we had there because i think they were in the midst of building things up but it wasn't until um i think about mid last year that like around maybe like midsummer that they actually came back like mm-hmm. all, all the way. And, you know, we started to see some stuff come up and it was a, it was a mixed media environment that they were using Twitch and YouTube to stream stuff. They were putting content up on YouTube. They had television uh, channels back up on um, a couple uh, uh, regular television services, including Pluto TV for the, for those who use that streaming service. Uh, but outside of that, even though it was mixed media, which is what a lot of companies are doing anyway, it felt like what happened is at the start of G4 being like built back up and getting that point of coming back is that like for you and just like what you said is that it, you know, there was a lot of buzz behind it. There was a lot of that. And a lot of it came from the people who grew up with G4. Because, exactly. Exactly. And then what happened with the content? Well, they did their best. I think X-Play actually was handled about as well as it could be given the changes in the environment. Um, Attack of the Show, um, I think, had to evolve to what it became, and it was definitely still enjoyable to mostly a point. Like, you know, we couldn't have some of the stuff like around the net because, you know, YouTube is, wasn't as, isn't as obscure now 
as it was at that point, and it's easy enough to go find things to keep you entertained. Um, but even with all of that, some of the other things just didn't seem to make sense, and it felt like they used the nostalgia to get the older generation back in, but the people they wanted to bring back in, they alienated by trying to adapt to bringing in a lot of the younger generation, but they did it way too fast almost it's like okay well we've got them hooked now now let's go ahead and bring in the younger ones by changing up and adding in all these other things Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that it's like it was the worst idea per se maybe if they had slowed down a bit more but i mean again a lot has changed since the station got shut down in 2012 oh definitely the the whole climate of how how media is shared in general for for games and just you know wacky internet crap um the whole dynamic shifted you know there Mm -hmm. there's facebook and twitter and you know everyone's got smartphones now there's it's not just you know a select group of people that have smartphones and everyone's connected to the internet now so you know it's not like even if you don't have a computer you have a smartphone you can just hop on and you can see some of this stuff you don't have to you know, wait for your your favorite show about the internet, you know, to see a video that you can look up later. Yeah. Uh, What I will say, though, at least about it, is that while they were trying to at least make the adjustments to their viewership, though, to bring in that younger generation, because that's how a lot of these gaming channels thrive anyway on YouTube and Twitch, Mm -hmm. um the talent that they actually had on screen was really on point though. I think by having your, like by having Kevin Pereira and Adam Sessler back to kind of like kick things off and get it going and to help like educate and, and bring in the, um, the skills that, you know, they really needed to be able to be on G4, even though a lot of it was a lot of the goofing around and such, but Hey, that's what made G4 G4. Uh, but bringing in Austin Creed, of course, um, bringing in uh, Golden Boy, uh, Gina Darling, um, uh, the Completionist, uh, it uh, Frost Coon, um, Olivey. You know, it's they did a good job of building up the talent, and they had such a wide array of talent that helped to bring all those different unique perspectives. And at the same time, mm-hmm. they didn't have to overly sexualize anything like what happened with g4 when we were growing up with the way olivia munn was was treated with the way that um um oh my god candace bailey was um was treated too and then um oh my god it was a she's a former play uh, playboy model but i can't remember her name because she was also a host on there too um you know it's like for a few of the for a few of those from back at that point in time it's like there was a lot of that mm-hmm. emphasis we didn't have any of that with it and it changed with the time the talent set was great but I just think something with moving too quick into the new generation just didn't work out right. Right. Yeah. So No, I fully agree. And not only that, especially, you know, with some of the longer format stuff, I feel like some of their their shows did get off the rails. They They tried to do, because they were trying to do the internet format stuff, you know, long, longer podcasts that, you know, were full shows. Uh, some of it got off the rails or some of the topics just became uninteresting after a long time, but maybe that was just me. No, I, I don't really think it was just you. Um, 
you know, like I was saying, there was that things like Attack of the Show were always kind of that goofy one. They had serious things they talked about. They had the interviews they did. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it just felt, it, it really did feel like something was just done over the top that uh, in regards to how they were trying to bring people in. Um, but well, I, I just, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's me uh, being just victim of watching it uh, in the early days of its return. You know, when they were still running back and forth from you know one office to another and you know trying to communicate that way when they were you know having co-streams and podcasts and stuff um and you'd see someone literally run through the hallway uh behind an open you know an open door um just to make it to a different studio or whatever for another segment and it, it just felt really broken and i i personally didn't feel like you know watching some of this stuff at the end they didn't quite get past that, but then they saw some of the. I, you you did see a little bit of some of the old stuff that was coming back that was actually working. Yeah, like apparently they had Arena in the works. Like they hadn't even debuted an episode of Arena yet. And then, um, oh, from what I was reading from uh, Gina Darling on her Twitter, she said that they at least I think it was her. Um, someone there from G Ford actually said that uh, they we're very close to having the new Ninja Warrior episodes actually ready to go. Um, and, th- and I'm talking oh. like the, the Japanese Ninja Warrior. Like, like, right, yeah. right. Yeah, like that was stuff that was very close to actually becoming available. And I think we were supposed to see like the first episode potentially at the end of November. So, see, and that, yeah, that's, that's gone unfortunate now. that we never saw that. I mean, and they could have been successful with, you know, even bringing back shows like Cinematech. You know, even just thirty-minute segments that they, you know, you could get access to online and and you know run in in like a chain, um, just make a playlist of, of Cinematech episodes because there are kids that, be honest, there there are kids that that would totally watch that over and over and over again just because I used to do that when I was a kid. I know, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like it, um. Like, I would love to have that, especially because, like, you think about some of the um, um, you think about some of the uh, videos that are up there for kids right now. Like, you think like the Cocomelon mm-hmm. stuff and and that like imagine especially like if you put on something like Cinematech where it's like the really like open world um, uh, like landscape type video game trailers and that, you know, showcasing and featuring those that would be um, massive. Yeah, you know that would be awesome. I think, and you know, it's like for a lot of people, we're you know for gamers who have kids now, that would be fantastic to put up. But um, one thing I will say, though, again, of course, at least you know, as I was talking about the um, um, uh, the uh, the team behind all of this, like like the actual talent here. Um, mm-hmm. Let me drop this to you really quick in uh, Discord there, Kyle, so you have it. I'm I'm going to leave it as the last thing here is that this did affect real people like this did affect actual people here. Um, and of course, uh, oops, let me change this around here really quick. Um, let's see. You are right there. Okay. And unfortunately I can't, well, yeah, I could probably move stuff around here. Let's see here. Um, I need to grab that and I'll move that up there. So this is the, uh, this is from Gina Darling that she posted, um, yesterday. And um, this was her just back there on the Attack of the Show set for that last time, honestly. 
Yeah. And she was, I mean, that's the human side of it. It makes me feel awful, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I, I mean, I hate to do stuff like that to bring that up, but it's like, I mean, that that's the human impact of it is that it's like a bunch of people just lost their jobs. Not only your front end, like, uh, creator or the, the actual creators of stuff, but also the... Um, uh, the behind the scenes crew, the the film team, the animators, the editors, the all of them. So it's yeah. At least at that, the human toll sucks ass with it. Tell you that much. Damn. All right. Well, I'm sorry to completely blow yeah. up the mood here in this one, but goddamn. All right. Well, rest that's, in. That's just so sad. Yeah, rest rest in, in peace. Rest in peace G4. again. Again, G four. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move on to something else that is not as dead then, because, oh, Jesus Christ, all right. Man, I killed the mood really hard in here. God, all right, let's, let's yeah, pick it up a notch. Yeah, no kidding. Let, let's, cow. let's kick it up a notch here, because uh, I had to showcase some of this stuff. Let's, let's, let's kick it off here with, with something else that's, that's about the dead, but is not dead, and that is Resident Evil. And that's right, they had, uh, uh, Capcom had a Resident Evil showcase uh, I believe it was just yesterday. Yeah, it was on the 20th, and they showed off a couple different things. So, um, uh, Kyle, how much did you actually look at any of this? Uh, you know, in all honesty, none. You s- <laughs> I, kn- I knew what was you coming. Son of a um, for for village anyway, but yeah, I didn't I didn't really see anything else other than you know the the multiplayer game I've been waiting for for ever that i don't even care to play anymore <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah i i don't even know what happened to that to that game anyway and like after all of this um yeah but like what's interesting though is that it's like you know we've got some i believe it's like the final dlc uh for resident evil village um it adds in um third person camera mode um, adds in a brand new story as well as new mercenaries and it's supposed to launch on the 28th. So next Friday. Um, well, to a... my knowledge, this is the only DLC really. I thought there were others before this. I wonder what else changed. Well, I mean, Maybe I'm crossing. There were a few DLCs that like, if you got the deluxe edition and stuff, um, you got a special um, like keychain thing for you know a gun charm, and then you got um, a survival pack. I want to say, oh, and there were so... a few different ones depending on you know where you purchased it from or something like that. I so think, specifically but... DLC as it relates to cosmetics and that, just just in game items versus yeah story based. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, well, um, okay then. So there's that, and then. Um, Yes, we get that. And then there is a demo up right now. Uh, you can play for a total of 60 minutes uh, with Resident Evil Village's third person. So if you want to be able to do that, it looks like maybe it's a separate game um, outside of the actual Resident Evil Village you may already have on your console or on your PC. But even so, at least it's out there and you'll be able to experience it because now everybody's going to have to be um, in the right state of mind here because... They also announced a full remake 
not a shocker on this one, a full remake of Resident Evil 4, Kyle. And yeah. Now I have to adjust my video here so I can actually bring this back up again. Yeah, yeah I uh, did it really need it. Do you want to know the bad news about it, though? What's that? That uh, I learned through IGN. Uh, huh. IGN actually saw that um you remember at the beginning of resident evil 4 when you're walking along that path there's the uh the wolf that you can save stuck in the bear trap mm -hmm. um yeah when you get up to that bear trap now the wolf is already dead oh yeah nice yeah i don't know how ign saw that i don't know if there was uh another gameplay video or something i think there was some extended gameplay but they were able to at least see that but yeah, just like the other Resident Evil games, Resident Evil 4 has gone ahead and received the uh, the remake treatment. Um, it's It should be, at least as far as I've seen so far, the um, uh, will stick with the Resident Evil 4 formula for everything we saw and were introduced to, just with the nice, polished, um, updated graphics and audio, as we've seen in the other Resident Evil uh, uh, remakes. What is that? Yeah, I, I I still just don't know and don't feel like that it was necessarily needing a remake. I I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it's a fan favorite, but maybe that's one of the reasons it didn't need the remake is it didn't really need to be touched. Well, it's just like a lot of other games, and that it's like what really denotes needing a remake of some type, though. You know, like what denotes um like. I guess it's like, what should you consider a cutoff for a remake of some type, though? Like, you know, how long? But Resident Evil 4 has been re-released a couple different times, I think, since mm -hmm. the original. But, you know, not a full remaster like this, though. Or full remake. Well, the, yeah, I was going to say, this isn't even necessarily a remaster, because, like you said, that one segment in the beginning with the, the dog is different, I guess... Uh, entering the village, one of the first things you do is you go downstairs into a basement instead of, you know, going upstairs. Um, I, I want to say that's the uh, house with the shotgun that you, you pick up right at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. So it's just subtle differences um, that, you know, they've already shown. But, of course, there's probably going to be much more than that, um, especially after seeing, you know, what they've done with uh two and three uh for their remakes so mm -hmm. and uh serpent knight here in comments adds i'd almost rather they did this with code veronica which you'd be shocked that there's a lot of people who actually spoke up and said the same thing that it's like why did they not do code veronica because i think in regards to the actual release timeline it was code veronica after three wasn't it or was code veronica uh, a part it of was two? actually um code veronica released um on I want to say it was the PS2 and the Sega Dreamcast. Yeah, and that one was released. No. Um, but Code Veronica is a tie-in, I thought, with Resident Evil 2, though, right? Isn't Veronica um, like like the? It's like something going on along the side. Yeah, I want to say I I can't remember if it was a tie-in with two or three, but it's an after the fact, and it takes place on I believe an island. Um, so it's like a separate area. Um, it's been a long, long time since I played that one. But that being said, why hasn't that one gotten the remake treatment? I mean, it, that that is one in particular that we've seen fewer uh, re-releases of, just in general, you know, to put it out on a, on a different console. 
I mean, I think they had it on Xbox, but it was literally just the uh, HD version of the Dreamcast version of the game. Yeah. So it had upscaled graphics from the Dreamcast version, but no difference whatsoever. Yeah, which I I recall that. I played the PS2 version of Resident Evil uh, of Resident Evil Code Veronica a little bit, and then I did beat 4 on PlayStation 2. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't recall as much from it, though. But yeah, Code Veronica was uh, released before 4. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there were a lot of fans that really spoke up about it, though. It was like, why did they not do that next? And Konami actually came out, uh, or not Konami, but Capcom, uh, we'll talk about Konami after this. Um, but uh, 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 Capcom came out and said that they had no plans in the works right now to do Code Veronica. So if there's anything that ends up getting happened or anything that's going to happen is either going to be fan-based or it's going to be um, uh, something way down the line from them. Like, I think it's going to have to be a big or fan outcry. Or potentially it just didn't match their new narrative. So who knows? Maybe, you know five six years down the line they they can uh five and six or you know or uh yeah five and six and we get a whole different game for what what should have been in in those places Mm -hmm. because it seems like you know they're they're making subtle uh changes to the the narrative as is i i mean five i didn't think was too terrible i actually really enjoyed five Six got completely off the rails, though. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, especially because of the fact that Chris Redfield's biceps were the size of his entire body. Yeah, and then you had Wesker's son as, as a team member that he was uh, teamed up with Ashley, which didn't make sense. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um... But that's really the big stuff there out of the Resident Evil side. Um, are you not going to pick it up then, Kyle? Are you not going to go down the path? No, of, I'll pick uh... it up. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just had to ask. Just had to ask. Yeah, no, I'll pick it up. Especially if it, if it's Steam Deck compatible. I, I've got to play it on there. Okay. No, I, I but understand. But if it's not, that's fine. I'll play it on my PC and I'll, I'll still have it on Steam. So. That wor- that works, dude. That works. So yeah, be on the lookout because that's going to release in March of this next year. But let's Heck move yeah. on. Let's move on to the other stuff that was actually announced though too, and that happens to be Silent Hill had its own stream. Uh, what they called, I think, the Silent Hill transmission. Um, and honestly, there have been a lot of people. A lot of people have been waiting for news about Silent Hill, especially after. Uh, the project with Norman Reedus, uh, Hideo Ko- uh, Kojima, and Guillermo del Toro all fell through with Konami because of everything else that was happening there at that point in time. But yeah, we got a lot of stuff announced actually out of here. And this one, I got to say, with what we got announced, tops what we just saw with the Resident Evil stuff too. So, uh, Kyle, before I go into any of this, what have you seen on it so far? Is this another one? You know, I listened to a thing on on kind of a recap on what happened with okay. this one, but I've never really been a huge Silent Hill fan myself. Um, so I, I I can say I've never completed one at least. So it, it didn't like super super grab me, but yeah, I I know a little bit about what's going on. Okay, 
All right. Well, <laughs> I don't have enough information on the universe either, but I know that at least in regards to the actual level of popularity on things, this I, I saw more like hooting and hollering just because we got there, there's more Silent Hill stuff coming out. So let's just kick off things here with what's been announced so far. Uh, so first and foremost, we have the announcement of um, of uh, Silent Hill 2 uh, being uh, remade. And of course, it's definitely getting the the best treatment possible with the remake itself. Um, so this follows uh, the original Silent Hill where um, I can't remember the name of the guy here. Um, what is it? James? Yeah, I see it here in the um, video description. Um, so uh, James is out to actually go look for his wife where she, let's see here. Let me read the description. Uh, having received a letter from his deceased wife, James heads to where they shared so many memories in the hope of seeing her one more time, Silent Hill. There by the lake, he finds a woman eerily similar to her. Uh, my name is Maria. The woman smiles, her face, her voice. She's just like her. Experience a masterclass in psychological survival horror lauded as the best in the series on the latest hardware with chilling, chilling visuals and visceral sounds. Which I gotta say, I mean, it does look pretty dang good, though. You know, but if you go back, it, and, it does. It does. Like if you go back and look at it compared to the um, like original game, it's like obviously there's a big jump since Silent Hill Two originally came out in the early 2000s. I think, like late right. 90s, early 2000s, yeah. But uh, so yeah, that got the nice uh treatment there for the uh for the remake. And that is supposed to be releasing... Oh, I don't know if they actually gave a date on it. Um, let me see if I can find one without interrupting the actual video here. Um, let's see. To the internet on the other device. Silent Hill 2 uh, remake release date. So the the weird thing though, or at least the one thing that I found weird, um, and this is the one thing that kind of no made date. my ears perk up because I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of either uh, game or the game series, and then game. Mm -hmm. uh, Bloober Team is the one that that's developing the Silent Hill two. Uh, they they're most known for the Layers of Fear series as well as the most recently the Medium. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Um, if you're a fan, it definitely worth the checkout. And, I I mean, there were some cool concepts in the medium that were really creepy. So, you know, maybe they'll they'll do a really good job with this one, and it'll it'll pique my interest again. Uh, but that being said, um, Bloober Team is also known for puzzles. So, um, they do have that going for them. I mean, Silent awesome. Hill is, you know been a puzzle game through and through since the beginning mm -hmm. uh beyond being a survival horror game so with their work on the medium especially more recently i feel like maybe it is a good fit but i just both those games kind of left foul tastes in my mouth as far as like some of the gameplay aspects so i i hope they've learned from that those experiences as well i really hope so too especially with such a i guess important project for them uh given it being silent hill and i think yeah. one of probably like yeah um yeah it's still really like one of the more important titles especially to work on out there uh 
so that's going to be neat to see their hard work put into this, especially. And so far, at least from the gameplay trailer that we just had going, it looks like it's in good hands. So not too worried about that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, next thing we actually had announced was not a remake, was not a remaster. It is the first original Silent Hill sequel in a long time that was also announced. It well, is... didn't they do a Silent Hill 2 movie? No, hold on. Not, or was not, that not talking Hill three. Hold on, not talking the movie right now, because that's still they're saving that for last. Oh, we'll okay. We'll get into that. No, this is the actual video game series sequel, not the movie sequel. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about the movie here towards the end, um, of the uh the of this uh news part here. But we have Silent Hill F. So Silent Hill F takes place in apparently 1960s Japan. And we don't get much detail as to exactly what is going on per se, uh, at least as it relates to like, um, you know, how this could tie into what Silent Hill is, um, because obviously this takes place in Japan and not in the United States, like where Silent Hill actually is at. Um, but what we do actually end up gleaning from the trailer, though, is this upset this red vine that ends up like covering over everything and taking everything over and seems to have the ability to uh almost like use the victim uh as a host for carrying it around further like if you can think like the uh, uh clickers in um uh last of us um i think that's the name right the the zombie plant fungus creatures in last yeah, of us clickers yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like you get about the same vibe from this as well. And it's definitely a little disturbing in the trailer, though, like to see all this stuff happening. But that's just what Silent Hill does. Um, it's like from death comes life. You know, you almost get that same vibe with it. Um, needless to say, I mean, it's just you have no idea what's going to happen. But it does look pretty freaking terrifying just alone like this. Yeah, and you know maybe maybe going to a uh, Japanese setting, um, they're they're going to tap into some of the like yokai lore, which would be cool. I mean, we did have Ghostwire Tokyo that did it recently, but being more of a survival horror game that's going to have a focused story, maybe uh, this can do the the yokai you know jump scares uh, a little bit more successfully. Mm-hmm. Maybe it can. That's you know, that's a very good point. Maybe it can handle it, especially because of how much yeah. has changed in the horror genre in the last, oh mm -hmm. God, whenever the last Silent Hill game came out. Um, the next thing we've actually got here is, um, it's not a movie, but it's a TV series. But uh, this TV series, um, I guess let me answer this question here. Uh, let's see from Serpent Knight again in chat. It says, does it say if it follows the original run of games or the Homecoming reboot series? I don't no, it did not make any comment on that. Uh, didn't see any details as it relates to it. So I guess um, because I'm not in with all the lore there on Silent Hill, and I think Kyle kind of alluded he was the same way too, uh, it's, we don't know. So you'll just have to go see if you can find any of Konami's official details on it. But uh, back to this next one here. It's a TV series, but this TV series is part of an interactive streaming TV series. So it's something very similar to a um to like when they put um the that Minecraft 
uh, choose your own adventure TV series up on Netflix where you can kind of choose like the path you want to go through there. This looks like it's going to be the exact same uh, thing. And it's called Silent Hill Ascension. And it's supposed to come out next year. That'll be kind of cool. Yeah, and it's supposed to be done between... Let's see, it says... Um, the series will put a brand new Silent Hill story and characters into the hands of the audience as the narrative unfolds live on multiple platforms. Silent Hill Ascension is a collaboration between GenVid Entertainment, Bad Robot Games, Behavior Interactive, and DJ2 Entertainment, and is coming next year. So, if it relies on that type of collaboration and such, though, to actually get through whatever the uh, uh, whatever the problems are, that's going to be a fun one to uh, tackle, especially. But then, of course, yeah. it's trying to coordinate and actually get people together to play at the same time. So, <laughs> you know. Um, then, of course, we had another um, series or another um, another game in the Silent Hill franchise announced. And that was Silent Hill Townfall. But this is being made by Annapurna Interactive um, and No Code. Uh, it's called Silent Hill Townfall. Um, and it doesn't really give much detail as to what exactly is going to happen in the game. But needless to say, again, I think, you know, you put a franchise like this into somebody's hands who's never made any um, anything for the franchise in the first place that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like there's got to be a lot of faith into making something happen. Right. But all we get in the teaser anyway is just some... Uh, rendered what appears to be in-game footage with this pocket uh, television and as it's scrolling through the channels we get flashes of things that you'd actually see like in the Silent Hill universe um, the uh, creatures locations um, and other problems and chaos that are waiting for you so not sure exactly what it could be maybe um, I don't know maybe something interactive like a Telltale game style um, game potentially See, and that was that—that's what I was almost thinking—is maybe like a Telltale-style game. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't want to make any assumption on that. Um, who knows? Uh, maybe more like an Until Dawn-style game. Maybe that's ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit, of course, which you were just talking about earlier, is that yes, there is a new. Silent Hill film in the works, which is uh, so far titled, uh, titled Return to Silent Hill. The only thing that they've talked about so far is that the original uh, original directors uh, of Silent Hill, uh, of the first Silent Hill movie, are coming back to this. Um, they are basically going to be working to, yeah, create um, effectively the sequel to the first Silent Hill movie because there was also Silent Hill... Uh, there was a second Silent Hill movie that came out that was live action. Um, but yeah, I, and that one was actually close. It was supposed to mimic the story for Silent Hill 2, I want to say, or Silent Hill 3. Yeah, and so this is really following more in the footsteps of Silent Hill 2, is from what at least the explanation yeah. was given during the, uh, during the well, uh, presentation. We'll see, because we, we had heard when the original one came out that it was supposed to follow the footsteps of the um, first game, and it it was kind of way far away from it. So True, it was. You know, as, 
as long as it's good, you know, and the fans like it, that's all well, that matters. I think the problem is that video game movies being made for the longest time, you know, they took inspiration from the video games and tried to do their best, but then they got themselves mm-hmm. way too far off the beaten path. And now, you know where, you know what really set the standard for video game movies, though, is Sonic. And so now it's like, it's yeah. like for video game stuff, it's like, how are we going to one-up Sonic with a video game movie? We've got the Mario movie right. we're waiting on right now. And so it's like for a Silent Hill movie, how are you going to appeal to the video game fans, or at least make sure you still appeal to them, and bring in people who have no idea what the franchise is? You know? Right. You know, it's going to be one of those very interesting things to see how it gets approached after not having made a movie for so long. But... You know, I'll go see it. I'll, I will gladly go see that one in theaters. I did see the first one in theaters, so I'll probably have to go see this <laughs> one now too. Um, probably like just piss myself because I don't do well with horror movies. But if it, if I take a video game controller with me, maybe I'll feel different about it. I don't know. You'll have something to grip and break when you when you get scared. The first thirty seconds of it, when they play the THX sound, just oh well, the controller's dead. I got. Anyway, right. Um, but that was the news out of the <laughs> Silent Hill showcase, though. So if you want to see more of the trailers there, or you want to watch the trailers again, or you want to go see the trailer for, uh, uh, or the the six minute long one talking about the upcoming movie, or you want to go see the trailers, of course, for the Resident Evil stuff, go be sure to look for those up on YouTube. Now, we move on to the last story in the main stories categories for tonight, and that is about, um, that is about Microsoft and Activision Blizzard and the acquisition that's going on in the chaos out of the UK. Um, so, um, the, uh, the actual review of the acquisition has moved into what they call phase two. And now what they're doing, uh, is are reaching out for additional feedback from the public regarding the merger of Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. Um, which of course you want to ask public comment on video games and that you're, uh, that's a big can of worms. I don't know exactly how to feel about that one. Yeah. You're going to have, you know, people just giving you like the both, both, most extreme sides of the argument. I feel like, you know, and very loud and proud. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like they go to review comments and it's like this person put their name in here as, as Xbox 360 noob 420 swag YOLO with the XX handlebars, you know? Um, uh, it's not to say that it's like they, they can't contribute anything to it. I'm just saying it's like that just, right. that's what you're going to kind of see almost come in here though. It's just like a big deluge of it. Um, so yeah, so they've reached out for public comment. Um, the office is officially called the competition and markets authority. Uh, What's interesting, though, is that this comes off the heels after um, Microsoft basically spoke up after the CMA dropped their phase one part of the review regarding the that, I guess, uh, uh, head of SIE, Sony Interactive Entertainment, Jim Ryan, actually went out Mm -hmm. to the UK to talk to these guys. And when he talked to them. Uh, I guess a lot of the same talking points that he made ended up in their uh, statement that they made, you know, moving into phase two. And that set off a firestorm with Microsoft. They went nuts with what they were putting out. Like basically, uh, like a couple different things of note that I do recall. One of them was that they basically said that Sony has the the foothold on the market right now as it relates to um, uh, market penetration when it comes to the number of like consoles in the household. Um, in households versus like what Microsoft has. 
and talks about like the number one selling first party titles. Most of them are on PlayStation versus Xbox. Um, And then also dives into a lot of the shady behind the scenes dealing that um, that Sony does to secure some of this exclusivity. Like there was something that actually dealt with Capcom and that when Capcom goes to um, actually get um, its negotiation figures, like let's say with Xbox to release something on Game Pass or release something on Xbox, it can actually mm-hmm. take those numbers, or according to SIE's contracts, they can take those numbers and use those basically as leverage to be able to get the um, to get the publisher to put the game on PlayStation first or try to move into some sort of exclusivity track. And it basically lets SIE dictate how things move next for that publisher instead of just letting the publisher put on both. It's like a really weird lockout scenario that forces their hand, like that forces the developers and publishers hands to say, it's like, well, it's like, this is the agreement we have to abide by. And it's your big AAA publishers right. too. It's not just like your indie devs or anything. It's your big AAA publishers that do this. Huh. And it's just like Microsoft laid all of this out and it's just, it's nuts to see exactly how much is going on here. Um, but there are uh, like, there are a whole bunch of, documents up there right now including what microsoft had put out there as rebuttal to what was put out by the cma um i do strongly encourage all like all listeners and that to go and look up those documents and give those a read um again that is the uk's competition and markets authority or the cma because man they (laughs) it's a very interesting insight into how exactly these deals are decided on especially with as much leverage as sony kind of threw in the mix by making that visit right yeah but where that leaves us is the end of the main news and off to our favorite part of the show and that's where kyle gets to talk more (laughs) <laughs> that is right, everybody. We have moved into the world of quest markers. Kyle, shall we kick things off? Let's do it. All right. So for the first quest marker of this evening, uh, EA is shutting down multiple online servers for older games. Uh, EA says it's shutting down the online servers specifically for some titles that have uh, less than 1% playership. Uh, those shutdown dates and titles are as follows. Uh, coming, actually just happened yesterday. Uh, we, they saw the closure of Army of Two 40th Day and Army of Two 40th Day Devil's Cartel. Uh, coming November 9th, they will be closing the servers for Command and Conquer Red Alert 3. Uh, Command and Conquer uh, three Tiberium Wars, uh, Command and Conquer Three: Kane's Wrath, and Mercenaries Two: World in Flames, and then January nineteenth uh, will be the final round of closures that are announced thus far. Uh, with Gatling Gears, um, the original Mirror's Edge servers, and NBA Jam on Fire Edition, and Shank Two. According to GameRant, the shutdown of NBA Jam's online servers will make two achievements impossible to unlock, unfortunately. Boo. So if you haven't unlocked them and you're you're really just striving to have that flawless achievement score, better hop on it soon. Um, In our next uh, bit of news, um, 
looks like uh, Xbox. Uh, uh, this is one I actually accidentally skipped. Uh, Xbox will let you uh, control your TV volume uh, from the UI. Um, in a recently up, uh, dropped uh, update uh, for October, the Xbox Series consoles uh, will allow gamers to adjust their TV's volumes uh, through certain TVs. Uh, as long as your Xbox is hooked up through the Xbox interface uh, with the HDMI CEC port on your TV, uh, you'll be able to access this feature. Uh, you'll also uh, inc- will include new ways to set your Xbox home console uh, so there's no more uh, trying to fight with having one person sign in and other guests ha- having to sign in after them uh, in order for that guest to play the game that they purchased on on a single console that's shared. Now, one Thank person God. can their console, and it's that's where the game's at. Thank God. So, yeah, no doubt. Um, and then, uh, in our last bit of news, the uh, father of Sims, uh, Will Wright, is making a blockchain game. Yay. So Will Wright, uh, the creator Sims, has announced that he is working on Voxverse, um, and the game will basically be like The Sims, and will allow players to purchase land, create shops in which they can uh, create and sell NFTs, uh, basically in-game objects that you can customize at single click uh, to your liking and then sell to other players in the game. Um, Wright says he has no interest in actually selling uh, NFTs. However, the game's premise does seem to target big spenders uh, spending crypto on large amounts of in-game land uh, in order for players to come and uh, utilize the shops that the, the whales have set up in order to, to make a pittance of money off of nfts selling them for the other person of course it will be a social game so you'll be able to get on and hang out with your friends and do all sorts of sim stuff and and second life-ish stuff in this new voxverse game when it releases no word on that as of yet hooray but that's it for our quest markers on october 21st that is yes and with that then that wraps up the news for this week. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's weekly news roundup again for October 21st, 2022. Thank you again. And of course, you can always listen to this if you missed out on anything over on your favorite podcast platform of choice. You can find that and all of our other podcast episodes over on anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast and the podcast platforms we're supported on, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of others course follow us here on youtube so when we do go live with the news you are going to be made aware of it and you'll be able to follow along with us and contribute along in chat as we're talking about the news of the week as it relates to gaming with all of that thank you so much everybody for tuning in we will catch you all next week bye-bye